And this is the Wednesday program. We've got some highlights from last night. It was not a good one for the Bulls, but sometimes you have to step back, take off the green and gold, and admire the other side. It's not nameless, faceless opponents. It's not untalented opponents. And we told you about the home run hitting nature of the Gators. Well, it came through against the Bulls last night. We will hold off on that until our second segment. We've got some great stuff here in Block 1, including a national honor for Georgina Corrick, conference honor for a member of the track and field team, big-time conference honors for a couple of members of the golf team, and also some more details on the draw for the USF men's tennis team in the NCAA tournament. We can tell you when they'll play on Friday. It'll be at 2 o'clock, their first-round match against Miami. Man, I wish it was like noon instead of 2. That's for me. I don't think anyone wants to be playing at noon (laughs) in Gainesville on a, let's almost call it summer day, but I was thinking about trying to get to Gainesville, watch that match, and then zip on back down 75 for the War and I 4 call Friday night, but don't want to take a chance on not making the airways for that. We will be back on the air on Friday night, indeed, as we were last night in Gainesville. Again, that's coming up next. Now, let's tell you about the big-time honors for the members of the golf team. How about Conference Player of the Year? And even though he finished fifth at the actual conference tournament, the entirety of the season put together by Alvin Bergstrom was definitely enough to earn him unanimous Player of the Year, as voted upon by the coaches in men's golf. It is the fifth time a member of the Bulls has been the Conference Player of the Year, whatever league that would be. Had a program record with 30 rounds of par or better. Finished as the highest ranked player in the conference, so that probably had something to do with it. Number 23 in the country, he was as high as number 4 in adjusted scoring average, 70.16, which makes him not only the best in the league by 37 spots, but the second highest ranked player in the entire state of Florida. His career numbers, he's got them all basically. 86 rounds of par or better. Scoring average of 69.27 is his actual number for the year across 11 tournaments with 19 rounds in 11 tournaments in the 60s. But he is not alone, and this is really cool to see. Run Yupreyong, a 567 in the last round of the American, got him into the second spot, and he was on the first team as far as all-conference goes, 17 rounds of par or better, and five top 25 finishes. So we'll hope that these two individuals, along with guys like Luke Gifford and Sam Nicholson, will get a chance to compete in the NCAA tournament. We fully expect that to be the case as the field will be announced at 4 o'clock on the Golf Channel. And just like the women's golf event, it is a well-produced, you know, some of these uh, selection shows, they're kind of just online things and they don't really have a big feel to them. Well, the Golf Channel did it up with the women's golf field last week, including live interviews with coaches of the number one seeds in each regional. Here's what we expect the Bulls certainly to get in. There are 81 teams in the field, and since they are ranked in the top 40, in fact, right at 40, one spot ahead of SMU, which won the conference tournament in Brooksville a couple weekends back. So SMU is definitely going to the NCAA tournament. And the Bulls are almost certainly Houston, which was a team that was right there neck and neck with SMU until it really fell off with an even par final round. Remember, the Bulls were 17 under par in the final round. Houston is ranked just inside the top 60, so that is actually right on the bubble. UCF, the only other team with outside hopes of getting announced today. Again, 81 teams will be announced, and there are six different regional hosting sites 
event will begin not for another couple weeks. It's strange how golf has done it, and it's consistent on the both men's and women's side. The selection show done on a Wednesday, and I guess it's too quick of a turnaround to have it the next week, so that's why. Not until May 15th through the 18th. So I really do think it's not a matter of if, but where the Bulls will go. There happens to be a regional right in Palm Beach Gardens at the PGA National. Florida Atlantic and the Palm Beach County Sports Commission host that one. The other most proximic events are in Tuscaloosa at the Old Colony Golf Complex. Also, there's College Station, Texas. Traditions Club is hosting Ohio State, the OSU Golf Club there in Columbus. New Haven, Connecticut. That would be a nice place to be this time of year, the course at Yale. And the one I'm pretty sure the Bulls will not be selected for out in Stockton, California, the reserve at Spanos Park, hosted by Pacific. Not exactly sure why this is. It was similar on the women's side. In fact, it was right down the line. There were six regional hosts, 12 teams in each, plus six individuals. In this case, again, for whatever reason, three of the sites will have 13 teams, and the other three will have 14 teams, and the ones with 13 teams will have 10 individuals that can compete to advance to the NCAA, while the ones with that one extra team will only have five individuals. So I'm not sure if I'm making it as an individual. I wouldn't want to go to the meet where there's just five individuals I'm competing with, but neither here nor there. That's the layout of the event, and we'll tell you where the Bulls land on tomorrow's show. Plan on talking to Steve Bradley on the phone. There's not going to be a watch party for this. Perhaps it being finals week has something to do with that. Also, Melanie Green, of course, going to the NCAA Women's Tournament representing USF as an individual. I will be speaking to her tomorrow. It was supposed to be today and found out that she's trying to compete for another big event and playing 36 holes today, so I'll let her do that. Today, along with recording a new version of Bull Speed Ahead with Michael Kelly, special guest Lee Butler, the new USF Senior Associate AD for student-athlete success. He is going to be dealing directly with both basketball teams, so that is going to be somebody you get to know. Speaking of basketball, and we'll get back into USF stuff here with Georgina Cork getting some big honors, track and field as well. More on the tennis draw, as I said, but this is pretty cool. I saw it on the national outlets while driving back from Gainesville last night, or riding back from Gainesville last night. CBS Sports had a big article. This is something not for this coming season, but the following. Looks like it's going to happen in the Bulls and the American and a lot of conferences, not the Power Six conferences, but all the other stronger ones in college basketball are going to be a part of. If you're into watching the bubble and looking at teams that are in those mid-majors and hoping that those leagues get several teams, not just get stuck with one because that's how I roll, this is going to be pretty cool. I guess it's, long story short, going to be a situation in February where, again, it could be as many as 20 conferences essentially put a pause in their conference schedule and leave an open week where they will be playing two games against similar teams. And it won't be anything that's picked by the TV executives. It'll be an algorithm matching teams in what they call quadrants against each other. So this past year, for example, Houston and Gonzaga would have been slapped on the schedule in February. You will play like teams. So if you're one of those squads that is either you know from, say, the Atlantic 10, like a Davidson you know is going to the tournament, you'll play a similar team, like San Diego State, what have you. And then as far as the lesser teams in the conferences, it'll be, okay, not a game that's designed to up your profile potentially with a couple of big victories, but be a game against a team that's in your geographic area. So if you're the Bulls and you're not having a great year, for example, you could play 
a team that's close by. And so you get a little bit of a breakup from the monotony of the conference schedule, and they're actually looking at it for the women's games as well. So that's something to keep an eye out for, and apparently it's going to be talked about this summer and maybe announced pretty soon. And Again, not into effect for this next season, but the following season. Oh, speaking of the following season, yeah, I know about the schools departing the American. We will end the hour with a good lengthy 10-minute around the American telling you about that stuff and a busy night in baseball as well and also what the tennis and golf outlook is for the conference teams not named USF. Tennis will be playing as I said Miami at two o'clock and looking more at the draw it really is weird how it's not just tennis but it's every sport essentially where geography is a big part of it and the Bulls if you really look at it were the 45th ranked team they should have been paired up with roughly the 20th ranked team in the country. If you do the math, number one is supposed to play number 64 in the first round. Two versus 63, on down to right in the middle, you know, 32 against 33. Basically, the matchup is supposed to add up to 65. And then in the second round, if everyone that's supposed to win wins, one will play 32, etc. And the second round matchups should add up to 33 as far as your seeds go. So the Bulls are playing Miami which is technically an easier team than they should be having to play. They would ordinarily be going up against, say, the 20th seed, North Carolina State, just roughly. But their second-round match, the point is, should not be against the second-best team in the country. It should be against the 13th-best team in the country. But that's Southern Cal, and again, it's a lot based on geography as far as these events like tennis, like baseball go. If you look at the NCAA tennis bracket, man, is it pretty much right down the line geographically and we'll tell you where the other teams in the conference are playing and you'll see those as examples but as it is the Bulls are in Gainesville and playing again on Friday afternoon at two if they win we can tell you their Saturday match will be most likely against the Gators at five o'clock and this is much to Florida's credit the Alfred A. Ring tennis complex will be busy as the women's team will also be playing there so it's an amazing tennis facility if you've never been there and you want to go check it out Friday at 2 I'd say go ahead and do it if you can make it up there it's a stadium and I know that the future of USF tennis includes something like this maybe not as massive but there's a huge scoreboard you can see what's going on at all matches at the same time you can sit right in the middle or go down to one side or the other it's it's really phenomenal, and it's kind of tucked into a nice little area there, and the Bulls will be playing there. On Friday, we'll tell you more about Miami's personnel on Friday's show. Again, we've got a longer conference show, about 10 till the end of the hour. We'll tell you more honors from the league, but we'll go ahead and get right to the field athlete on the men's side right now, and that is Romain Beckford. He was named the AAC Field Athlete of the Week. He wins the high jump at the Penn Relays with a jump of 2.23 meters, that's 7 feet 3 and 3 quarters inches, second best jump in USF history, and also the best in the American, and try fourth in the country. He and the rest of the Bulls will wrap up their season, hopefully not wrapping up for many of them, but the last scheduled meet before the NCAA meets is the AAC Outdoor Track and Field Championships in Wichita beginning next Friday, which happens to be the 13th, but I am not superstitious. Just a little stitious. And Georgina Korek. Yep, I've already told you about her being the American Athletic Conference Pitcher of the Week. That is no longer news, but still worth trumpeting, as she's done it eight times this year. But for the second time this year, the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association announces her as the National D1 Pitcher of the Week. 
And again, Houston is a pretty good team, and she shut them out three times. Didn't have a ton of chances to score, did the Cougars. The perfect game set her on her way. Broke so many marks, including strikeouts in a single season in Bulls history. I don't think I mentioned this, the shutout, which gave her 16 on the year, and she would add two more, broke Leanne Ellis' record from back in 2004. Second game got her to the conference record as far as strikeouts in a season, and 31st win, that was on Sunday, got her to the conference mark four wins in a season. Her ERA, here's the funny part, entering the weekend was a .48. Three shutouts, that's 21 innings of work, only took it down to .44. It's not fair how that works, but I guess you can't get it back down to zero. 238 innings, 357 strikeouts. Surely she's going to get to 400. I would be surprised, though, if she pitches all three games this weekend against Memphis. That's where the Bulls are headed. Again, they are pretty much locked into the number three spot. And just for clarity's sake, I am going to be in Greenville next week. We've hinted at this. Uh, They are going to start the conference tournament on Thursday. I arrive with baseball early Thursday afternoon. The only chance that I'll be able to call that first round game is if it's the night game. Actually, it would be at 5 o'clock. And that would be if East Carolina is the opponent. But there's actually a decent chance. And here's why. The only possibility for that would be if it's the three seed versus the six seed. Right now, the Bulls are in the three spot. East Carolina and Memphis are tied for last. But remember, the Bulls are playing Memphis, so they can have a direct hand in making sure that Memphis stays in seventh and East Carolina is the sixth seed. And it's important to note when those teams played each other that East Carolina won the series, so they have the tiebreaker. In other words, as long as Memphis doesn't win more games in its final series of the regular season than East Carolina does, then East Carolina will be the sixth seed, and you would likely have the three versus six be the Bulls versus East Carolina with the Pirates being the host. The thought is they would get to host the night game, which we'd be able to cover for you. And then next Friday afternoon is the semifinals at one and three. Baseball plays at night, so we'll be able to bring that to you. And then the championship game is next Saturday at 11 in the morning, and baseball doesn't play until later in the day. So there's a chance that next weekend, along with definitely calling three baseball games, we'll be able to call three softball games. Of course, they'd have to make the championship, and that's no easy thing, but we'll be there in Greenville is the point to bring those games to you live. And we will stay with softball throughout its entire NCAA tournament run. We hope it's a long one. Expecting a trip to Gainesville or Tallahassee for that regional again this year. Well, we took a trip to Gainesville last night. We're not going to have a ton of highlights for you, but there was some stuff that happened that you do have to hear that was notable, even though most of them favored the home team, which got a little revenge from how the Gainesville regional went last year. That's next as we wrap up Bulls Beat. 